Hey, what's up, Beast Thinking Nation? This is your host, Tuck Taylor. And before we get into episode 11, which is absolutely phenomenal, featuring Janelle Mayers, I want to issue an apology for this episode. Our audio kind of cut in and out, and my voice is very muffled. But uh, I wanted to get this out because what she has to talk about as far as conscious coaching is some absolutely powerful information. And uh, it sucks that the audio didn't work that well, but we're learning and we promise that we'll fix that issue for further episodes. So without any further ado, here's episode 11 of Beast Thinking Podcast. All right, this is Tuck Taylor. This is episode 11 of Beast Thinking Podcast. Uh, remember, our podcast is all about helping you engineer your brain for success. So all you athletes, you students, you teachers, teachers, you coaches, we're here to provide you with content and experts in the areas of mental health, cognitive conditioning, strength conditioning, things that are going to make you better. Today, I have a special guest. Her name is Janelle Mayers. I am Super excited to have her on the show. Uh, Janelle, what's up? Hey, how are you doing? I'm excited as well, too. I'm so excited. So for those of you that don't know, Janelle is a former Division I athlete. She played volleyball. Uh, she was the captain of the Barbadian national team. Uh, she has her P- She's finishing up her PhD. Uh, she's a professor at the University of West Indies. Uh, she's my role model. She's my role model. She's who I want to be in female form. All right. So uh, thanks thanks for having you on. This is our second attempt at this podcast. Uh, we, we had some technical difficulties last time we did it, and I was super excited to post it, but it was just too much editing. So we're going to give it another okay. shot. Yeah. Welcome back. Thank you. A little bit of a background on how uh, me and Janelle know each other. Uh, we know each other through a mutual friend of ours, uh, Nick Davenport, a.k.a. Mr. Mental Muscle, uh, yep. one of the leaders in the nation in cognitive conditioning. Uh, we kind of crossed paths to Nick. Uh, we started following each other on social media, and immediately we both uh, felt that we both had a lot of the same views on how we uh, deal with our athletes. Uh, we not only do a phenomenal job on the strength conditioning side, but we also care a lot about their mental health. Would you yes. agree? Yes, definitely. And perhaps and, uh, some may say that we care more about the mental health side than the other side, but we know the connection and why it's so important to to integrate them both. Absolutely. And, you know, it's a long, the we've been saying for a long time that, you know, sports performance is 90% mental, 10% physical. Mm-hmm. But we look at the way most coaches coach their athletes, and it's all physical. There's not yeah. too much of a mental component. And so, you know, even when it comes down to sports performance itself, you can have the strongest guy out there. You can have the most skilled guy or girl out there. And that does not guarantee that, one, they're going to perform well, and two, that the them playing sports are going to make them a better person. Absolutely correct. And I feel like me and you both have the same mission of not only impacting our athletes physically, but also making sure that they grow into future leaders and impactful human beings. Yes, definitely. So, uh, 
we, we've talked before and we both have a similar hypothesis on athletes and that, that, that athletes are probably the most underdiagnosed population for mental health disease and disorders. Would you agree? Yeah, I my frame my framework is a little different. Whereas that we don't pay we don't give enough attention to athletes who are under consistent strain and stress and competitive nature, and so therefore right. their mental health is least um it's probably the least looked at, and perhaps the most overlooked in terms of even the concept of grief and being able to recover from losses or being able to recover to the fact that you may you may have been a collegiate athlete all your life. And then all of a sudden, your identity has changed. You're no, well, you're no longer the quarterback, you know. You're no longer the star player, but you now have to become a, reg- a regular civilian, you know, and function, you know, get a job, as they say. Uh, get a job from the degree that you have. And we don't even think about th- that as well, too, especially if you've been playing sports from the time you're like nine years old all the way to like 22, 23, 24. So, yeah. Absolutely. They, you know, it's almost like you have to get integrated back into society. Yeah. So you've been living kind of a different lifestyle than, than, than most people. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And so, and so since, you know, we feel like that uh, athlete mental health is is neglected, uh, we, we both feel that it's very important that coaches do a really good job on uh, just paying attention to it, you know, having mm-hmm. having a system ready for a player that has anxiety or or might be going through a depression. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we're going to talk about today are some things that coaches can do to help uh, pay more attention and be more conscious of their athlete's mental health. Yes. And so, what what will be the first thing? I'm I'm a coach and. I have a team. What's the first thing that I need to do as a coach to uh, even address mental health? Okay, so the first thing I think um, that I would want to address is do you understand what mental health is first? Mm. So having a clear understanding and a working definition for your team or your players or the athlete that you coach is, I believe, the first thing that you need to look at. Often I think a lot of coaches don't even understand what mental health is. They go straight into the mental illness and they will tell you, you know, I'm not, I'm not equipped to deal with somebody's depression or I'm not equipped to deal with somebody's anxiety. Um, but if you understand anything about sports and sports performance and like autonomic, autonom- autonomic nervous systems and, you know, our arousal state, anxiety is part of the way in which we do sports. You know, but if you just understand it from the mental illness side, you'll think that anxiety is something that is definitely... Um, wrong that should never be on your platform as a coach. I have, I now have an athlete that we've coined this word called nerve sighted. So it's a mixture between nervous and anxious. And, say, and repeat that again for the audience. What is it called? We call it nerve sighted. Nerve sighted. So we're nervous and we're excited at the same time, right? So Got we're nerve sighted and we're learning how to actually use the nerves are a little bit of the anxiousness to actually perform our tasks optimally. Nice. So, nice. so even framing, so framing a context of what mental health is. So for me, when I talk about mental health from a coaching perspective, I look at two components. So mental health is the overall well-being and state of understanding how to cope under duress or 
and under stressful situations or not so stressful situations, but by using these two components. So we're going to look at your cognitive health, the way in which you think, and your emotional health, the way in which you feel, and in relation to how you actually express those feelings. So when I talk about mental health, those are the two components that I'm talking about. I'm not talking about mental illness, but if you look at that definition itself, you can recognize that you can have challenges cognitively as an athlete, or you can also have challenges emotionally and your inability to uh, manage your anger when you're on the field, your inability to express your emotions when you're feeling sad with your... your, other teammates so that definition allows a coach to actually tap into what resource or what skill base or level that he has he or she has so, so as, a, as a coach I, lo- I love and i love that i love that you broke that down so that uh you know even myself i i i see mental health a lot more clear now by the way that you define that into the cognitive health and emotional health uh, so, in your experience, what would be some of the most common cognitive health issues you see amongst our athletes today? Ooh, so this is getting into Nick's realm. So, where are we talking about um, pattern recognition, decision making? Yeah. Those are the things cognitively that coaches struggle to get athletes to do. And like you said at the very beginning, but we're we're drilling our athletes physically, but we're not thinking that the brain requires the utmost exercise or the utmost drill to actually get those things done better. Right. And we're not thinking about that. Even the basic things. And today I was training some microcutters and we were doing hand-eye coordination with ball with tennis balls on the wall. And we were throwing left hand first, right hand second obviously they catch the ball that's one of their skill sets that they have to do but then adding in uh, another load uh, of and also intensity as a cognitive factor as well too and working under stress I then added in catching the ball simultaneously so Mm. obviously we've got the concept of the fact that you in your sport you catch the ball with one hand or two hands but now I'm actually asking you to catch it with two hands now at the same time, and then I added intensity that if you dropped any of the balls, you had to start over. And our target was like 20. Um, wow. So wow. let's start over. We're adding pressure now to your task. These are things that coaches, you know, don't think about that we have to train outside of the game. And even if you use your game simulations to help you, then your players are going to be able to understand what those feelings and those emotions that come associated with that intensity what it looks like and how I actually would actually have the skill set to do something different absolutely and I love it and you know uh you know shout out to Nick for really uh bringing cognitive conditioning to the forefront because you are both former collegiate athletes and Mm -hmm. I just think back to my college years uh, me personally, but also some some guys, some teammates that I had that were just so talented, so talented, mm-hmm. uber talented, uh, had all the physical traits, all the skill work that you can ask for, but underperformed on a consistent basis because their brain was preventing them from performing their best when it matters the most. I think that's what we are all, that's what we're looking for as coaches and trainers is to allow 
and give our, our, our athletes the opportunity to perform their best when it matters the most. Definitely. I mean, even look at Last, Last, Last Chance University. Mm-hmm. Last Chance U on Netflix. And what's the one thing that most of those kids struggle with? Academics. Academics, exactly. And we don't even understand the importance of the fact that if your brain can assimilate information so much easier in the classroom, it can assimilate information on the field of play. And when you think about your athletes as a strength and conditioning coach, the ones that are the smarter ones, get it. Absolutely. You don't have to repeat the um, instructions 10 times because they can hear, you know, they may be audio, they may be audio listener, audio learners or visual learners, you know, and they get it. They may, they may have a level of kinesthetic awareness that's larger than the other kid that has some cognitive challenges, right? Right. And so then they propel so much quicker than the athlete who is not as smart. And I I think sometimes we, we, we talk about it less because we don't want to shame athletes. But it's a conversation because athletes also put themselves, set themselves up for failure when they're either fed or they believe that, you know, all I do is play sports. Right. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't do this. You know, I don't, I don't know. I don't go to school, you know, like how they're talking. I'm like, mm, you know, you going to school is helping you with your ability to actually hear what it is. It's helping you with your ability to read a playbook. Absolutely. You know, so you want to be smart and you, you want to be able to perform. And those two things coincide and actually work together. And I think what we're doing here, we're kind of uh, demystifying the premise that people think athletes are stupid, the dumb job. Yeah. Yep. And, and and I will make the argument that at one point in the development of sports, early in a lot of sports, that might have been the case. Before, before competition got so heavy, before... Sports became so evolved. Yes, maybe some of our our founders of our sport may not have been the most cognitive, right? Because yeah. the sport hadn't evolved into that yet. But when you look at yeah. sports now, football, basketball, tennis, cricket, the speed at which the game is played, the intellect at which the game is played, you have yes. to have that cognitive component. Like, exactly. if you look at our, our best athletes now are also very intelligent people. You look yeah. at a Kobe Bryant, you look at a LeBron mm-hmm. James, you look at these guys, these guys aren't dumb athletes. Yep. So we talked a lot about the cognitive. So what are some of the, the emotional health issues, some of the common ones that you see a lot of your athletes have? I think one is the ability to express self and also the ability to emotionally regulate. So this weekend I had a I had the honor of having seven of my junior athletes. So I trained the creme de la creme junior athletes in Barbados, whether they swim, they play squash, basketball. Um, I have those athletes. I have the privilege of being their coach. And we did a retreat, a three-day retreat. And our my objective of that retreat is having them be able to actually express themselves and mm-hmm. be able to share some of the challenges that they were having you know, with maybe their other coaches also share some of the challenges that they may have and just having an identity of a, as an athlete and nothing else. And I think that's the biggest component of, you know, the whole concept of emotional regulation. And, and I'm working on a project and one of the whole concepts of the project is eight seconds of discomfort versus a lifetime of pain and regret. 
Mm. That's literally how it, how long it takes for me to work through something that's uncomfortable and be able to express it to you, right? In order to get my point across or move from a place of being stuck. And as coaches, we have to get in the habit of either receiving those eight seconds from our athletes or being able to share that eight seconds and then move on. How many times have you seen a coach on the sideline pissed at athletes and sit at their at their bench and never utter a word to the athlete when at that point the athlete really needs to hear, you know, I'm pissed off right now at you guys, but you need me to get up and do what you need to do. But as coaches, we may use the silent treatment, like, oh, they'll figure it out. But if they didn't figure it out when you were yelling, they're not going to figure it out when you get quiet. Absolutely. Because our job is to guide in the heat of these these emotions. Also, it's a guide as a jogger. You know, if their memory isn't going there, it may be a cue that we use to help them get back on the right track, a word that we use to help them get back on the right track. So definitely emotional regulation from that concept, you know, can they share? Are we open about it? Because the more we store inside, the less, the less capacity we have to learn and move forward. And that's, that's so important. Uh, some of the mental coaching that I do, uh, it's been mainly with softball. And uh, one team in particular that I worked with, one of our cues we use for emotional regulation is that we're built for this. Uh-huh. So, so when, when yep. things get tough, when the motion starts to get a little out of whack, you know, our cue was, we're built for this. And you could see yep. how that really brought the girls back to that focus yep. state. You know, they, it's they the just, override. Yes, yes. I like yeah. that, the override. Yeah. I like that. It's the override switch. My, mine with my athletes, um, my wildy boys, that's, that's another, that's a fantastic story right there. But I just had a team, I worked with a team for nine months. Three, we won what sport a championship. What's cricket? Cricket, yeah. Cricket, okay. So I worked with them for nine months as a strength and conditioning coach and a mental skills coach slash life skills coach. Um, and we won the championship, the 50 over championship. The first time that team has actually made the finals in 38 years. And they won the championship. Awesome. And our key word was energies. Energy. And every time I every time I showed up in every game setting that we had, and from the beginning of our first ever practice, my language with them was always energies. The energies that you give and you put in at this point in time will also be the energies that you receive and you you, you know your results. So they, they embraced that wholeheartedly. So anytime I wasn't on the field and I would come, and when I come after the game is starting and they hear the word energies, it would be a switch. The override, whatever they were thinking, it would shift now to what am I giving? How much am I giving at this point? You know, And is this energy focused on the particular goal that we've set? And if the goal is to win the championship, which it was, um, and I don't know how much you know about cricket, but the score was they, they made 123 runs. Okay. That's not a lot in 50 over cricket. The no. average score for 50 over cricket is like 250 plus. That's a good score. Now, in cricket, so, one game can last multiple days, correct? Yeah, but there are three forms of the sport. But okay. this one is the 50 over. So one team exactly. will bowl for 50 overs. 
and then the other team would defend the runs that they they scored. So Got my you. team, we scored 123 all out. There are 11 people that bat, and you got to get 10 of them out. And we bowled out the other team for 80. Wow. Wow. Now that that doesn't happen in cricket because 123 is not a score that you can defend. Right. But because they all had the same goal and they all kept the same energy and I, and and I'm telling you, it's interesting because we we're not even going to get into the whole concept of the law of attraction and stuff like that because that's, that's part of it as well too. Absolutely. But I had one player on that team that kept saying. We're going to get you guys out, 80 all out. And that's exactly what the score ended on. Mm. 80 all out. Mm. Moments so like that can give you the chills, man. They just I was give you the like, what? I, I was so excited. Like the law of the universe, everything, energies, everything just translated to what it needs to, to happen. And that was nine months of work that we did and we resulted in the championship. And the That's coach, amazing. shout out to the coach, Rohan, he brought me on board because he had a vision to see what S, um, S&C and mental skills would look like in a cricket setting because it's not really common. Right. Right. People think that you could just play pick up a bat or pick up a ball and bowl in cricket and that's all you need to practice. And he had a vision and he said, let's try this and this is what the outcome was. That's amazing. So we, we talked about uh, coaching and mental health. So first getting that working definition of mental health and we broke mental health into down into cognitive health and emotional health. What's another thing that coaches need to do in order to impact uh, the emotional health and mental health of their athletes? I'd say audit self as a coach. Okay. Where are you and where, what are your strengths and what are your limitations with regards to one, understanding mental health and two, practicing good mental health, right? Now, I know both you and I come from this school of thought that you need to be fit as a coach. Absolutely. You, you, kids watch everything that we do. Absolutely. Right? And I think back then, it was okay to have a coach that was unhealthy, very smart, but, you know, people didn't fret if, you know, the coach had, like, the big bear belly and stuff like that. Right. But because, but when you think about the rising um, costs of diabetes and heart attack and cancer and all of that, a lot of that is our lifestyle. And so kids are watching us and they're mimicking us. And so unless we are going to be good examples for them, they're going to watch us and they'll, they'll stop listening to us because they'll say, you're not setting a good example of what it is that you want me to do. And you know, you've been on teams where, where somebody might ask, um, at, the coach might ask the football player to run a 40 and he'll yell at the coach, at the football player, but you can even get under in a what, six, nine, ten, or whatever. And the and the player would be like, but well, you can't even run it in 20, so what's the big deal? Right. And we don't, you know, we don't even understand how that undermines the trust in our players. Because no. it's like, you're yelling at me, but you're not where, and I don't mean that we have to be able to run the 40 just as good, but I think we can handle our athletes if we needed to. We, you know? we just have to have a personal practice. Yeah, but yeah, right. exactly. 
you you as a coach need to be working on these things, right? And and we can't be vicariously living through and working through with our our players and hoping that you know their success will be our success. Um, it's 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 a hard thing to swallow. So I was watching last night. I don't know if you've ever watched Long Shot. No, never watched it. Ice Cube is in it, and okay. there's there's a scene. Kiki Palmer's Ice Cube is a, he turns out to be her uncle, and she he coaches her to play football as a quarterback, and he asks the coach who was his high school coach, and he had some mental health challenges because his mother passed away, and he hadn't dealt with it. So his niece, Kiki Palmer, was his niece, and she, his, her mother asked him to take care of her, and they actually became, you know, very good for each other. But, so he asked his high school coach to actually let her go on the team. Eventually it worked that way, and she ended up being the saving grace for the whole town. And in between the seasons, the high school coach... And the coach, yes. Yeah, so this was a good part. The coach actually got a heart attack on the field. Oh wow! From stress. So you can imagine, because he was not his healthy self, what those right. forty-four athletes had to endure at that time. Mm-hmm. Now, had he been in a healthier position, that wouldn't that would not have happened. What are some things that coaches can do or what are some areas of focus that they can audit as far as their mental health? Um, do things, are they able to articulate and communicate well with their athletes without getting frustrated? Mm, that's so when, important. When you are frustrated to the, you have a kid, I have a kid. When them suckers make you talk too much, you need to take a step back. Because it's Absolutely. not them. It's you, you know? Absolutely. There's a that you're not you're not um, using that's actually helping you, you know? And it may be that, you know, you're studying other things, bills to be paid, because a lot of us coach, and a lot of us coach, um, sometimes people coach voluntarily, you know? So definitely that. Two, physical health. Physical, being physically fit. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay, it cut off. He said, uh, so he said, uh, uh, being able to express their emotions or being able to speak without expressing too much emotion and then to physical health, making sure they're physically fit. Definitely. Your physical health is important and that helps with, you know, your brain development, neuroplasticity, all of those things, you know. If you are capable of actually exercising, maybe not every day, I have a mantra called just 15 minutes a day. And if you could just move for 15 minutes a day, it'll be a lot better than not moving at all. Right? But Absolutely. As- we, 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 all, we all can agree when we work out, we move, we just feel better, think better. Exactly. Uh, it, it helps with your, your uh, regulation of your, your mood. Mm-hmm. Ideas, more ideas come to and you, when you, so when you work out. Absolutely. You are so creative. And I think that's what, that's some of the things that coaches have to audit too. And also look at your personal relationships. 
So many times I see coaches use coaching as a way to escape their home lives. Oh, wow. Very dangerous thing to do. That's such a dangerous thing to do. Um, because your athletes are not getting the best you. They're getting a borrowed you. Right. Yeah. It's important, it's, it's important to work on those relationships and because then your expectations of athletes and being athletes being able to be honest with you, you can receive those honesties. But if you're not practicing those skills in your own personal setting, you're going to take offense when people are speaking up to you. You're going to take offense to when athletes are more um, goal oriented because your life's not that. Right. That's good stuff. And That's me, good stuff. Hello? Can you hear me, Nick? Um, can you hear I- me? Yeah, I can hear you now. You broke up for a little bit. You, last thing after that you said was uh, making sure that uh, you're goal oriented if you want your athletes to be goal oriented as well, which I think exactly. is huge. Exactly. And and I was telling the story. I was getting ready to tell the story of my coach. Hilarious. I never forget my coach. She was pregnant, and she came into the gym. And this was the day that she was supposed to find out if she was having a girl or boy. Oh, wow. And this was her third child. And we all came in as like, y'all, if this is a boy, y'all know we running, right? And when she came in, the look on her face, she was like, well, we just guess we're going to be running today. And she was pissed that it was not a girl. Shout out to Coach B. She's in Tennessee. <laughs> I think she's an athlete. She's an assistant AD now. But we all ran because she's like, Coach, we don't want no more boys. She want a girl. And But her emotional state at that time, we understood it now as grown women. But then it was like, man, like, why does y'all had to be like a, um, why does y'all had to be a boy? But she, I mean, she obviously was projecting her feelings onto us, you know? Right. And you can't put them down. You know, people have this saying, you know, leave your problems at home. That does not exist. The ability to put your problems down. If you have, if you're dealing with a lot as a coach, you need to be honest with your athletes because that's the same thing you're expecting your athletes to be when they come to practice. So some transparency. Very transparency is important. And that goes into like my next step, which you haven't asked me, but I'll just jump ahead. You can do that. Your athletes are going to be better served. Right. Their mental health is going to be better served because they have an example of what it looks like. Right. No, I like that. And I, I feel like even with my athletes, the more open I am about, you know, things that I have going on in my life and uh, the way I'm dealing with them and choose to deal with them, uh, they're more open with me about, you know, a test that they might have that, that day or a relationship issue that they might have that we can quickly deal with and uh, 
manage it and have them uh, regulate those emotions so they can perform well. But they, they're not carrying on all that negative energy into the session. Exactly. And one of the things that I do with my athletes is I give them a time frame to be well. Mm, so if they come I like in, it. I train a lot of girls. And if, they're, if they come in, let's say they're on their cycle and they're having a really tough time to focus because all they can do is think about the pain if they have a painful cycle. And we talk about how much time can you give me a focus? The pain's not going anywhere, but you have two options. You can focus on the pain and, and please note, you've made a decision to come. Cause I will never, as a female, I will never tell a female athlete that you have to show up when I know what it's been through, what it's like where you are doubled over. You want to play, but you can't play. And all you could do is sit down on the bench and want to lay down and sleep. So as a female, I can, I can give that out because I understand what's happening with their bodies. But I also challenge us that if you show up, you know that you're also asking yourself to do something that's out of your norm and you have to put the mental effort in it. And usually I'll ask them, can you give me 20, 30 minutes? And they can last a 20, 30 conversation about, you know, how are you going to set yourself up for success? Even though you, you almost have to override the pain that you're in and focus on something else. Absolutely. Cause I feel like too, with, especially, you know, I obviously am not a female, so I cannot, I'll, I can just, uh, was it empathize with that? I have no idea, but that's right. So I know with my athletes that, you know, during exam time, you know, to be a little bit more conscious as a coach on how much stress that I'm uh, putting on them during exam time. Like, that's not the best time to bust out a bunch of cognitive conditioning drills that day. They've been thinking and using their brain to its utmost power all day. And the last thing they want to do is come to come to train with me and make me make them use their brains a little bit more. So I, I think, like you said, like just digging deep into what's actually happening with your athlete outside the court, outside the weight room is so important. And that way that you can, you can navigate a little bit better. You can retain that relationship and you also can push your athlete to overcome some of those emotional issues they're having by, uh, like you said, give me, give me a hard 45 minutes, give me a hard 30 minutes and then we're done. You know, it gets them a little bit more, I guess you say, anticipation on how hard and how long they need to work for. Exactly, right. And I think what it also sets up as well, too, is the power that you can change your thought process. Oh, I like that. Oh, right? I like that. You're, you're setting them up for successful encounters of being able to change that thought process when the game is at its last couple of minutes and you need to dig in. Right. You know, You've done that successfully every time we've trained or every time that I've asked you, let's repeat it. Your body knows what it feels like. Your mind knows what it feels like. Now let's go out there and do it. I like that. It kind of reminds me of, uh, have you ever read any of Abraham Hicks books? Are you familiar with Abraham Hicks work? No, I'm not. Well, she's a kind of a metaphysicist law of attraction expert. And one of the things she really talks about that I try to implement every single day is called segment intending where basically you break your day up into segments and mm -hmm. before entering into a new segment of your day you kind of prepave how you want that next segment to go yeah. so that like this so it's, it's so nice important yeah. what'd you say are we breaking up 
No, I said that sounds oh. very, very interesting and very similar to Joe Dispenza's whole concept of planning your entire day. Yeah, yeah. Because it's easy to get into that autopilot mode where, like, for a lot of my kids, I tell them, hey, like, before you even walk into the door, sit in the car, realize that you're getting ready to come train. So that when you walk in the door, your mindset is off of school, off of boys, off of girls, and you're ready to put that work in. Because if we're not stopping in between segments to give intention on how we want that segment to go, we, we kind of stay in that autopilot mode and we're not living our lives intentfully. It's just almost by default. Yes. And when we're not intentional on how we live our days, we're going to get a little bit of some of the things that we want, but also some of the things that we don't want because we're not being intentional enough on what we're looking to get out of this next segment. Or how do I want my interactions to be with my coaches? Or how I want my interactions to be with my parents once I go home? Mm -hmm. One thing I tell myself before entering into a new segment is, who do I need to be right now? Mm -hmm. Who do I need to be right now? Because Tuck Taylor the coach is different from Tuck Taylor the father. Tuck Taylor the coach is different from Tuck Taylor the son. You know, Tuck Taylor the coach is different from Tuck Taylor the brother. So I have to make sure that I am not, you know, blurring the lines on who I am and making sure I'm serving who I need to serve at that moment. Mm -hmm. So I like it. So we talked about defining mental health for coaches. We talked about self-auditing. We talked about being open with your emotions so that your athletes can be open with their emotions or anything else that our coaches out there need to understand and learn about uh, mental health as it relates to their athletes? Um, two things. I would say finding resources or being resourceful once you've audited where your athletes are. So a key, a key thing is like, if you're not sure if your athlete is in the emotional part, you can you can start giving them keywords or I I've introduced this to you where it's about an emotional tool, you know, having an emotional wheel and mm -hmm. having athletes identify if they can identify words on there or even like the cognitive and basic, a basic cognitive drill. I know Nick does this a lot is the alphabet, say the alphabet forward and backwards. That's so tough. And I mean, there are some kids that immediately get it. And there are some kids that struggle a lot. That's like mm -hmm. a simplified baseline test. It's not scientific. Nick will probably rip me to shreds there. But <laughs> if that's the beginning of you checking to see how much effort these kids are putting into their cognit cognitive skill. Absolutely. You know, if you're not using it at school, you're not using it when you come to practice. It's the same brain. So these are the kids that are extremely talented, but do not know how to apply decision-making to the things that they're supposed to be doing. And coaches get right. really pissed off at them because like you have so much talent, but the one part of the talent that they're not using, you need to now tap into that, right? Absolutely. So finding resources definitely would be one thing. If you don't know how to help kids with their mental health, seek out others like you and I. And there's some of us Avengers Assemble. Hopefully we'll be doing some certification soon that we could get other people who, you know, who want to do this, but don't necessarily know that there are tools out there to do or that there's a kid.
Hello? Hey. Yeah, you, you broke up a little bit. So the last thing I heard you say was uh, the people that are interested in doing what we're doing, just letting them know that there's a community of yeah. people out there that are doing this. Are doing it, yeah. And so, like, and then I said, you know, we probably looked like if we were crazy when we first started and people didn't right. understand what the hell we were doing. However, you, you, I know you can attest to this, where people are calling you now. Yes, hey, yes. I want a beast engineering system. Can you, you know, can you come out and work with my athletes or can you come out and work with my, um, my corporate team? I'm getting the same things on a day-to-day basis. So it means the work that we're doing is, is definitely helping other people and other people are comfortable because there's nothing more than having a skill set and people being comfortable to ask you to deliver it. That says Absolutely. a lot. Absolutely. You know? I, I think a lot. A, a, lot of, a lot of it is from once they actually understand it, they understand exactly. the ROI, the return on investment. Exactly. You know, coaches that understand what we do, they, that's why they don't hesitate to call us because they understand the return on their investment that they're going to get back from not only their athlete performing at a higher level, but also about just them being confident in their ability to perform and enjoying the sport. Sports is supposed to be fun. Sports is supposed to be fun. And it's not fun when you're going through mental health issues while trying to play your sport. It makes actually sports less enjoyable. You know, you, you look less you look less and less forward to game time. Game time should be like a holiday. Exactly. It should feel literally like a holiday, not something that you're trying to avoid. So so yes, uh I I I think the more that we get this information out, the more that we do podcasts like this and do some of the events that we have planned for the future that coaches and business owners are all gonna start to see the benefit of really taking care of the mental health of their staff and their their team and, and themselves too, making sure that their mental health is good. Like we talked about self-auditing today. It's so, so important. I don't think they realize how big of an impact that their own mental health plays into wins and losses. Definitely. And and if the objective as a go, as a coach is to lead, you need to ask yourself, how are you leading in those departments? And if you're not the one leading, who's leading it? Exactly. And and to me, again, I think it's huge when you have someone in a place of power that recognizes that they might not be strong in a certain area, but they outsource it. Definitely. They don't try to do it themselves. They they go hire an expert because to me that really shows that you care because you don't you know that you can't do it and you want to be really good at what you want to be able to do. But this is also important. So you're bringing in somebody else to help fill that void for your team. Definitely. Awesome, awesome. Any uh, any resources you have out there for coaches right now? A good resource. I shout out Nick again. I think Nick Nick is the starting point. Um, yes, he I is. think I so mind body one. Also, the twelve universal laws of success. Now, I yes. believe in this book, Doctor. shout out to Dr. Herbert Harris. And that book really breaks down a lot of even understanding emotional regulation and the ability to share some information with your athletes as well to goal setting, which is also a big component in your mental health because you want to have a good framework of why you want to have a good mental health. So I would use that 
for coaches, Brené Brown's Dare to Lead. Woo. That, you've never read Brené Brown. You don't know who Brené Brown is. I'm going to encourage every single person on this earth to go and watch Brené Brown Call to Courage on um, Netflix. She has a lot of TED Talks. Watch 18 minutes of her TED Talks and you'll understand the power of being able to, to be vulnerable with people and how it actually impacts your mental health. And There's so, there's so much power in, in being vulnerable. That, yes. that, and I think a lot of sports coaches themselves don't understand that yeah so those are those awesome. will be my three right now that i'm i'm really tuned in and i read constantly daily um we i i think people don't understand the importance the importance of reading and having references to help you get your goals and you'll find a blueprint book every now and then that there's absolutely nothing wrong with tapping back into that book to help you with your creativity creativity and moving forward with your athletes absolutely well we appreciate your time here on the beast thinking podcast i'm sure this is one of many that we're going to have in the future uh also people stay on the lookout uh there is a lot of uh synchronicity uh between me and janelle so i definitely feel like a joint pro- uh, product or uh, project is on, on the way uh Stay tuned. Remember, our goal is just to help you be able to not only engineer your brain for success, but to help you empower the others around you to do the same. Definitely. Your tribe is important. Yes. This has been episode of Beast. This has been episode 11 of Beast Thinking Podcast. Janelle, again, thank you for your time.